all those standards apply and, you know, we're shifting towards how can we be more like the Western ideals? And to be honest, the fairer you are, the more desired you are. So um, that was a big key, which is not the right way of thinking within the South Asian culture, because regardless of your skin color, it's beautiful. Um, but yeah, I think there's just such a conformity that, you know, I've seen within the culture, outside the culture and all that pressure is, is, is sort of what I kind of grew up and my perspective, uh, in terms of around me, but not necessarily the ideals that I carry forward for myself or for the people around me. Awesome. Uh, Vanessa, we're going to hand it off to you now. Hi guys, um, Nikki, Jewel, thank you so much for inviting me. To the other ladies, nice to meet you. For me, I'm from a Caribbean background. I was born in Trinidad to a mother from Trinidad and a father from Trinidad. Beauty in the Caribbean, from what I see, is kind of different. Like you're loved any size, any size, any make, any color and stuff like that. But growing up here in um, Canada, it's completely different. Like pretty much just like what Ashna said, it's you know, tall, skinny, like big boobs kind of thing. Like, and now they're seeing the hips and the lips and the butt and everything kind of go with it. So it's kind of weird to me because growing up, that's what I saw. Like in the Caribbean, doesn't matter. You're big, you're small, short, like fat, skinny, doesn't matter. They love you, the size, you know, everything works. And then for the family background, I grew up with a bunch of strong women. Like I've seen the women in my family shoulder things that women shouldn't go through. So growing up in that sense, it's like this makes them being strong kind of took away from their beauty. They're seen more so as strong than they are beautiful. Mind mm. you, the the strongest hearts, the cut like you know, the strongest minds, the kindest hearts, and everything like that. So it's kind of Caribbean versus Canadian Western world is completely different and um it's weird to me because I feel like no matter who you are, so long as your heart is good, your intentions are good, to me, that makes you beautiful. But then it's like you go, you know, online, social media, and it's like the guys want girls that have this or look like this or, you know, look like dolls 24-7. In reality, we're not like that. I know I don't wake up like that. I don't necessarily go to bed like that. So it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's, you know, it's a journey. Thank you. Tina, Tina, Tina. The pick up Pero conmigo eso no sirve, mi amor. Tengo entrenado el corazón. Y tus promesas no me llaman la atención. Hi guys, hi ladies. Nice to, to see all you beautiful smiling faces uh, this morning. Um, so Nikki and Jules, thank you so much for inviting me. It's it's an honor. Uh, Nikki, I would only wake up for you at 8:30 in the morning. <laughs> First of all, that's what I want to start with. Um, so in terms of uh, background, I am Latin American. Uh, specifically, I was born in this little tiny country named El Salvador. Um, I grew up there. Um, and I came here to Canada when I was eight. So um, I absolutely love Canada, but by all intents and purposes, I consider myself a thousand percent Latina. And in terms of stereotypes, uh, et cetera, and, and the impact on my view of women, uh, I think similar to Vanessa, I grew up around a very strong woman <laughs> um, and that's what I've tried to, and that's what I've seen in my home day in and day out I've always tried to emulate 
um, you know, all the qualities and characteristics that to me actually uh, equal a Latina woman, meaning hardworking, loving, somebody who's strong, somebody who doesn't take BS <laughs> from anybody, somebody who works hard to achieve their goals, you know, works as if nothing is ever going to be handed to them. So that's kind of uh, what I grew up uh, around. Um, and my mother has been instrumental in that. And I think that has shaped me completely all of my life. Um, in terms of beauty standards, that's interesting. <laughs> because um uh, again, similar to Vanessa, in my culture, the curvy, the big butts, the, all of that has always been desired and it, it's actually normal in our culture. So coming here, and actually I will say Toronto is actually pretty good because we're very diverse. So I, I do remember, you know, going to high school and my friends, you know, uh, joking around with me about my, my hips and my butt and stuff like that when I was like going through puberty and, and, and um, growing, if you will. Um, so, so I think that for me, uh, I've always had a strong view that beauty is just really just on the inside. I think one, one of the ladies mentioned it. As long as your heart is, is, is pure and your intentions are good, I mean, really, the outside, you should try to, I think, in my opinion, try to work as hard as possible to be healthy. In terms of beauty, I, I've never really allowed uh, kind of outside forces to, <laughs> to kind of influence the way I feel about myself. It's nice to see that, you know, the curves and the butts are popular. I mean, they're <laughs> taking it to a way different extreme nowadays. <laughs> But it's nice to see that, you know, um, you know, all shapes and sizes are being loved and desired, etc. Some of the features that I think, historically speaking, haven't been that popular. So yeah, that's a really good point. Um, it's kind of funny looking at like a North American view as opposed to like some of the other cultures that we're talking about today. Because I think that in North America, we're so obsessed with the idea that you have to be really skinny, and there's only one ideal. And in all honesty mm -hmm. I think in North America we don't really focus on the insides like the insides no. isn't as important yeah. as um how your outside looks so I think that's a really mm -hmm. sort of interesting viewpoint so Jules do you want to give a little introduction to yourself welcome ladies thanks for coming on and waking up early so I would say I had a Canadian upbringing I don't even want to say Irish Scottish because that was like too many generations back from where my mom and dad came from but like many of you I did grow up with a really strong mom my mom basically organized the household she earned the money my dad was an actor so his money really fluctuated he like they didn't have those stereotypical roles so I grew up knowing okay my mom kept her maiden name this is how she had her own business all of my aunts had their own business my grandmother was extremely strong and did her own thing as well. And so I've only really known that type of idea as well. And so I think that just brought me up knowing that like, I didn't really see that normal, like men did the work and the women just sort of sat be behind them and supported. Like it was very equal. If anything, my mom was bringing in everything. She wore right? the pants. She wore the pants. Yeah, I'm not saying my dad was a deadbeat. Let's just be clear. 
the way my mom told me is that um, she's like, I would bring in the main cash, but your dad, that would be the fun money. That would be like the renovation or if we wanted to go on a trip like that's or their savings. So um, and in terms of beauty standards, I grew up in Toronto and my area, I went to a pretty much like an all white school. Obviously, Toronto, 15, 20 years, like it, it's cultured. There's lots of people. But in my school, it was just white people. Right. I only got a taste of culture when I moved to Belleville, oh. Ontario. And what? if anyone knows Belleville, <laughs> oh, wow. uh, you wouldn't really, that wouldn't be the first taste of culture. <laughs> But I went to, I didn't board, but I went to a boarding school and that was really my first taste of different beauty standards because I would have um, all the island women, all the, um, uh, I'd have like African women there. Like there would be so many different people and it really grew my knowledge of just like, it's not just this. You have this beauty and this beauty and this beauty. So I, that really grew who I was. But if anything, on my beauty standards, and obviously I agree with all of you, like it's on the inside, but it really takes time and you have to teach yourself that that beauty is on the inside and not just on the outside, because that's what we're slammed in the face with every single day. Totally. Um, that was something Jules and I talked about before. Uh, for me, it was the same. Like when I was growing up, um, basically I went to Catholic school my whole life and I I lived in the suburbs so almost my whole life I was just surrounded by like white people you know like maybe in my school there would be two or three people from other cultures but mainly it was like European Canadian white people and my whole life I was kind of just raised with that beauty standard and it wasn't until I started to like meet different people and like have different types of conversations did I even start to think like oh, a body can look like this and I can feel this way and I don't have to be this way. And like, I don't know, it's so interesting. Like, I think diversity and representation, they're so important Mm -hmm. because it really teaches you more about who you are. Mm -hmm. And it also teaches you so much more about the world. And it makes life a lot more exciting, to be honest. Like, (laughs) yes, it does. (laughs) It's interesting if you guys have that perspective because I was actually the opposite. I actually grew up in, I went to all Catholic school, elementary school and high school, but I actually didn't grow up with, I think it was one or two white girls in, in my school. Uh, every Everybody else was a visible minority. Um, I grew up with, in high school, like a lot of Latin Latinas in there. Uh, only in high school did uh, I start incorporating <laughs> into my circle of friends, like the white girls. Because so I went to an all-girls school, so so there was the the Portuguese and the Italians, and which actually they have a similar kind of perspective in terms of uh, I think beauty standards, etc. But it's interesting because I and even in the workplace when I entered the workplace, I, I remember somebody, a coworker of mine, t- telling me. You're not used to being a, around white people. <laughs> <laughs> and what did they mean? What did they mean by that? <laughs> no, I think that because um, it's very sensitive for some white people to speak about other cultures because they feel like they're tippy toeing or they feel scared to say anything wrong. And I and I can appreciate that. I, I, I remember certain individuals saying, you know, that colored person or this white person saying that colored person. I'm like, who? I'm like, there's like a brown and a black girl. I'm like, who? The black, oh, the black guy. And the black scared to say black. So 
it's anyways my point is it's interesting to hear your perspective where mine was the opposite and I I would say mine was very similar to Julia and Nikki's in a sense of because I was born and raised in Montreal Quebec diversity is at you know um we're not purely represented and I went to you know a great high school but it was predominantly white and I can count I think on my graduating class there were 12 BIPOCs if you want to just say representation so until and we have to do two years of college before we go into university and when I went to college it was the biggest culture shock of my life to know that you know there were of course, I knew my community, but to learn about other communities, to, to hear about even diversification, because I'm South Asian. Well, within South Asians, there are different uh, religions, there are different sects. Just seeing that translated into other different cultures and getting into con, it, it was literally eye opening. And since then, not that I've never not had white friends, you know, you kind of progress <laughs> towards getting more. And I, and I love it. Like, there's just so much beauty in each other's cultures and you just learn and, and um, it's, it's an amazing journey. And when you have all of that, you know, you just become a better person. You think differently and you look at life in a different perspective. So I, I you know, I was on that flip side where, you know, until I moved here, uh, I'll be honest with you to see, uh, and I'm going to say brown people, but South Asian people working in the malls like it that would hardly be the thing in in, in Montreal or seeing and, and not that we weren't there like in terms of representation there were just pockets where you had to go to find that representation uh so here it was even moving here was a bit of a bigger culture shock because you were no longer a minority you were part of a much larger diverse majority which was beautiful in itself so I'm signing on the Nikki Julia with my kind of experience. Uh, but it's, it's wonderful to be here and just be a part of a more diverse, which it should be kind of um, the, the cultural aspect of, of having that around you. It's nice. And for me, it was a mix of both mm. in grade school. I got, I was in school and it was majority like white. And then I get to junior high and high school and it's like, I've got Lebanese, I've got Latinas, I've got, you know, I've got people from Europe and stuff like that. And I went, I grew up in Ottawa. So in Ottawa, everybody always thinks, oh, like, there's nobody there. Like, there's no culture. There's, you know, it's just Ottawa. It's kind of boring. It's kind of cold kind of thing. But I felt a lot more comfortable in junior high and high school being around people that were like me, more like athletic, mm-hmm. knew about different foods, different places, like just looked a lot more like me and kind of acted m- more like me and the music and mm going out and all that kind of stuff. So a bit of both worlds, culture shock, not really, because coming from grade school, like I said, it was everything white and a few people here and there. And then in high school, just learning more about Lebanese, for instance, some of my best friends growing up and I'd be like, okay, is your mom cooking today? Can I come over? Can I eat? Like learning all these things, right? And it's like food brings everybody together. It's like they come in and yeah. like, what's that? And it's like, oh my gosh, okay, great. Now I'm, you know, call me whatever. Oh, I'm with these people kind of thing. So it wasn't in the sense of we were sectioned off. Mm-hmm. 
everybody kind of more so came together in high school and was like, oh, this is pretty cool. This is dope, so to speak. I never knew about this. And, oh, where are you from? Where is that? So learning a lot more um, about different cultures and how people just live and how people see the world and view things differently. And then moving to Toronto for college, I was like, okay, this is just like a bigger melting pot Mm -hmm. and there's more people, there's more, you know. So I'm thinking, look to these people, places that I can travel. Oh, you're from here. Oh, I want to go there. Like mm-hmm. me and you are now best friends kind of thing. <laughs> so it was it was yeah. best of both worlds, I guess. So I didn't feel too far removed from different cultures. It's just acceptance and learning more about different and cultures I, for me. I yeah. think we have to teach kids at a young age that it's okay to accept I don't know how to word it. Like, other people, different people. Yeah. And, and, and yeah. be yeah. curious and obviously be polite, but don't worry to ask questions. Like it would be so naive for us to be like, oh, I, I don't know how to talk to her. So I, well, I'm not going to talk to her at all. Yeah. Right. So it's being curious, asking questions. And then hopefully the questions aren't really arid, like uh, wrong and <laughs> rude. But I mean, you have to learn yeah. a little bit more too. If, yeah, I think you just have to start them young because then they can t- learn so much from you and create the wrong um, ideal. It kind of goes back to in your heart, if you know you're coming from a good place, then you know you're coming from a good place. So you know how Dina gave that example and she was like, it's like you've never, you know, worked with white people before. Um, I understand what she means, like that whole idea of white fragility. Mm. And I think that if in your heart, you know that you're coming from a good place, then yeah, ask questions. Like you want to learn about different people's food and different people's ideas. And it just makes life so much more rich rich and so much more exciting to explore so like it's kind of sad when people have that fragility and they don't want to explore and 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 try new things Mm -hmm. but I think Um, it's also how you ask like mm -hmm. some people just come and flat out rude and you're like okay no that's kind of rude that's disrespectful (laughs) you might have to preempt and warm people up and be like FYI I'm not trying to be rude or ignorant I really don't know so do you mind if I ask you this or is it okay for me to say this? Yep. And then people will let you know, okay, that's okay. No, that is not okay. But not then you okay, have some of those yeah. people that are just oblivious and just blurt it out and you're like, okay, no, not today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Ashley okay. touched on this in the opening with the idea of the Kardashians, but the next thing that I really wanted us to talk about, and we'll start with you, Ash. Um, while you were growing up, did you see yourself represented in the media? And how about now do you see yourself either represented more or less compared to when you were younger? Being of South Asian background, no, growing up, um, unless if I was watching Bollywood movies with my (laughs) my parents, um, I didn't see, I didn't see a reflection of who I am, whether it was in the media at that time, you know, internet wasn't fully there until later, um, or even representation within the magazine. Now, have I seen um, like a, a progression? Yes, I have. Would I like to see more of me as in a representation within the media, within uh, magazines and all of that? Absolutely. I think, you know, there's, there's been a natural progression, but I mean, I think a lot of us from a South Asian, we, we do look at the media. We, we do look to see what's around us and to see if there is that reflection there. And, and like I said, you know, there are, there are some breakthroughs, but I think there should mm-hmm. be more personally. Um, you know, if I think about my little niece growing up, you know, and what she's going to grow up to see and social media is going to be in the forefront of it. And, you know, if it's anything like in, in terms of me growing up and seeing what the ideals were, I don't want her to have those same mm-hmm. ideals. I want her to see that, you know, what, 
who we are, how we look. We don't have to be thin. We don't like all of these things. It's just love yourself for who you mm. are. Um, so I'd love to see more of that. And, and there is like, I think Winnie Harlow as a model is breaking through and, you know, being proud and beautiful, beautiful right? Um, you know, so I love to see more of that. And, and it doesn't have to be South Asian. It, it, it could be pure representation of Latina, of, of the Caribbean. Like I, it's just everything of that beauty that I would love to see more mm-hmm. of, I would say, from my end. I agree. Um, I think me, myself growing up, well, my media was my mom's media, which was all Spanish channels. So I actually <laughs> saw myself on some representation on TV. But if we're talking about North American media, no. Uh, that's why, Nikki, you probably see my stories on Instagram, but that's why when you see J-Lo's performing at halftime Super Bowl, I am going to stand up and scream <laughs> it to the world and, you know, other artists in, in bigger platforms, in, in more mainstream North American platforms. Mm-hmm. We are seeing that, that progression, I, at least in my culture, because of our music. I'm, I'm sure you guys listen to, you know, a Spanish song or two. <laughs> That has been popular recently. So um, I, I love seeing that. It gets me so excited. And to Ashley's point, um, you know, when my nieces and nephews are growing up um, or even my kids in the future, I would definitely want them to see just a diverse set <laughs> of people on, on media. And not only, not only in terms of color, but also body shape, um, I don't know, ideals and, yes. and, as, and as them to form their own opinion of what beauty is. And, and it's not based on solely just what the person looks like or their body shape or how big their booty is, etc. So I, I, I just want them to, to be able to have to be able to form their own informed decision of what beauty is based on a diverse representation on on media because let's all face it like let's say it loud and clear like social media is is such a big impact on on these kids growing up so um that's just the reality of it so I would like to see to Asha's point a lot more representation of diverse backgrounds diverse body types diverse colors all of that so that they can they can uh, navigate through the waters in an equal manner diverse in not just the stereotypical way right yes that's what I right. want to see too is that oh you know I'm not just the chubby sad girl that supports the beautiful skinny girl or something like that like it needs to be diverse the characters as well that they're portraying also in the in media for sure to touch on okay. that um between what Dina and what Jules is just saying growing up the rep- the representation that I saw of black people in general were like athletes mm. you mm. saw like the mm. hair magazines you saw like I don't know if you mm. guys know essence magazines and ebony yep. magazines and stuff like that yep. the representation was also like in music I love music I could dance for days just put on a good song give me a good beat I don't care where it comes from as long as it's popping, I'm yes. there. Like, I'm ready. Yeah. Like, <laughs> work in the car, wherever, that's me, right? But the representation that I wasn't seeing was Black people in business. Mm. Black people, mm. like, owning things. Black people mm. in That's a good point. That's a very so good things, point. So things like that. I saw myself growing up. So you always thought, you know, you had to be the athlete or... You know, things like that. They weren't talking about Black doctors. They weren't talking about Black lawyers. You weren't seeing that kind of representation, be it male or female. Mm. 
so growing up, it's like, you know, most kids aspire, oh, I want to be a rapper or me. Hey, I want to be like Janet Jackson because that's what I'm seeing. Mm. But now growing up, yeah. um, like you said, the diversity in all fields. Like I want to know that, hey, this is a Black entrepreneur. I want to know that this is a Black tech guru. Like these are the things that our kids need to know. Like your options aren't limited mm-hmm. to what you see on TV or what you read in a magazine. Mm. Education, a growth, diversity. I mean, inclusion, inviting different people to the table having those conversations that nobody wants to have for the sake of them being uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And we've all we've yep. all had it. It doesn't matter with your parents, your friends, at work, we're all having those conversations and opening up. Some people choose to accept the growth and move forward. Some people just choose to st- stay in their ways and that's them. But that's the diversity and inclusion that I'm looking for, be it male or female. Like, I want to see more of that. I want to know more of that because I feel that will inspire like our nieces, our nephews, mm-hmm. and then to say, hey, like you don't have to follow this track. And just because you're black, don't make them yeah. like think that all you can do is play basketball or all you can do is launch a football. So that's what I'm looking more towards. But yeah, we were represented, but in very minimal, minimal ways. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of funny because as Jules and I were putting together this question, these questions, we were kind of chatting about this as well. And um even for ourselves, we really never saw ourselves in North America, American media either. Because like, I always grew up and I was always on the heavier side, like, you know, always bigger. So whenever I looked at media, I always saw these really skinny girls. And I was like, okay, well, that's not me. So like, obviously, I'm not pretty. Obviously, I'm not special, because I don't see myself on TV. So that could never be me, Mm -hmm. you know, Julia and I kind of had a very funny experience a couple years ago, because we went to a dress store we were going to an event and we really wanted to find fancy dresses for this event and while we were um, trying on the dresses we were both in separate change rooms and we weren't really talking to each other and then basically we came out and like both of us were kind of in tears because none of the dresses fit me because they were all too small for me and none of the dresses fit Julia because they were all too big for her and it's It's so funny, though, because you just wonder who is media representing if none of us can see ourselves represented? And who are these stores making these clothes for if none of us can, like, really fit into them? Or it's kind of interesting that we have this ideal standard, uh, like this ideal beauty standard for women. And it's almost completely unachievable. And I think the more that we're sort of evolving, we're learning that a lot of what we see isn't real. Mm -hmm. Like, it's completely airbrushed or it's plastic surgery or and as we get older it's easier for us to have those conversations with ourselves to say oh well I know that's not real so I don't have to pay attention to that but like I really think that while we were growing up like it's something that I really struggled with because I didn't have that knowledge to know about photoshop and Mm -mm. those different things and look at the mannequins the mannequins are pretty standard if you go if if I go back home uh, the mannequins mm. look a little bit different. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One of the first times I actually paid attention to the mannequins going back home a lot, I was like walking around the mannequin looking at it. I forgot people can't see that I'm looking around. <laughs> you guys can see me. <laughs> walking around the mannequin, uh, looking at, just admiring it because, wow, that's actually exactly what in North America is representing an unachievable body type. So that's a, that's a really interesting story, Nikki. <laughs> And I'm sorry for both of you. I think it's unrealistic. And there's a deeper meaning behind it, too. It's unrealistic and unachievable because you have to, oh, I have to buy all of these things to feel good. And then when you have it, 
there's a new thing. Oh, I have to buy that. So they, they keep pulling you in. And it's just like that hamster wheel almost that you're just keep wanting more and more and more just to fit in, just to be um, beautiful. But it's so unrealistic that we're never going to be able to achieve it. So us chasing it extremely hard and I don't no one will ever achieve it because even um, people who are extremely rich have all the filler in their face they always want more they always want to change it they always have to get something more and it's like oh so you're not happy with what you are you thought you get your nose done and then everything would be great but you always you want more so this is kind of the perfect segue so we'll start with Vanessa do you find that society puts pressure on you to be a certain way or to look a certain way and I think we could look at this from a few viewpoints like for sure from a beauty standard but also from the idea of like what it means to be a woman do you feel that society puts any type of pressure on you for me yes um I'm 5'9", and I'm athletic, so I'm a little thicker. You know, I've got the hips, I've got the butt, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, yes. My natural hair is curly, like, you know, and stuff like that. So going into, like, maybe, like, a business world, my hair straight and stuff is more acceptable. Mm. When I decide to wear my hair natural or whatever, I'm looked at different. Or, you know, I get those, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Oh, can can I touch your hair? Or you know, those kind of comments. I'm not necessarily a makeup person, but then if I put makeup on and I go out, it's like, oh my God, you look completely different. You should do this every day. And I'm like, (laughs) it's not necessarily my thing. Like I'm very much grew up very much like a tomboy, you know, a lot of brothers and stuff like that. So beauty to me, is just like when you're told, it's like, oh, you should wear this, then you should look like this. And the standard itself among stores is different. As women, I'm sure you know, you can go into one store, you're medium here, you go into another store, you got to buy a large and it gets like so frustrating, right? You're looking at yourself like, oh my gosh, just the other day I was able to fit into this and then now I can't. There is a lot of pressure because on one scale, it's like the health factor. Like I prefer to be healthy first than to be like skinny or you know stuff like that so it's just hard sometimes because everybody has a different perspective of what they think you should look like from like your boyfriend sometimes Mm. your parents like me going into going home and be like oh you look thin you need to eat meanwhile I'm a foodie I love food you invite me for food I'm there so the standard of beauty for me is just it's really hard to keep up to as far as what people expect so I kind of bring it back to myself and focus and think, okay, let me try to be healthy. Like I'll get up, I'll do a workout and those kind of things. If I'm feeling for the makeup, I'll put it on and I'll do what I got to do. If I want to wear my hair natural, I'll leave it out and I'll wear it. And I feel no ways about it. The way people look at me, that's more on them. Mm. They're uncomfortable with it. I mean, conversation is key. I can always talk about it, but I try not to let that influence me to the point where I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. But don't get me wrong, there's days where I'm just like, oh my gosh, nothing's working. I hate everything and I feel like I'm just not beautiful. But then I have more days where I'm feeling good, like I'm comfortable and I'm happy and I really don't care. I just want to say it's crazy that you wearing your hair natural and then going into the workforce, people can have a different way of viewing you. Yeah. It's to me, that's mind boggling and it would never come across my mind. It happens. (laughs) I know, but it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. It does because I, I actually have curly hair, like, you know, Nikki, big curly hair. And, um, I think at some point I, in my mind, maybe like early twenties, I might have thought, you know, it looks neater. It looks more professional no I later on I'm just like you're gonna take this bob or leave it like there 
whatever and and even tattoos right like we work in the corporate world at a certain point in my life that I was like you know if you don't value what's up here in my brain then in I in my work ethic and everything that that goes along with it I, I kind of got to a point where where I said I don't care <laughs> like I, I don't I'm gonna have tattoos I'm gonna wear my hair however I want I, I did struggle with it a little bit to, yeah. to to get to the point where I'm just like I don't care. Dina, does that come just with as you get older, you get more mm. wiser? Because I'm yeah. I'm feeling like yeah. 100% in the same boat. I mean, now that I'm working from home, I don't wear makeup. Um, I'm more comfortable going out with no makeup. My husband actually prefers me with no makeup. And even when I wore makeup, it was very minimal because I'm just all about low maintenance altogether. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, everybody, as you kind of grow up, you, you, you feel the pressure. Um, it's hard not to compare yourself to what you're seeing outside, to seeing your friends and hoping and wishing for that. But then it's you just becoming more comfortable in your skin and just hitting that kind of stride and that vibe and, and really just doing what's best for you. And I think, you know, Nikki, I was thinking about what you said, you know, earlier, like I've been on, was on the skinny, skinny side. So it's, it's been, you know, a lot of people like, Oh, you're so skinny. You're so lucky. But I'm like, well, no, you know, like I would get made fun of my legs being called chicken legs, you know, and you, you know, despite, you know, things like that, you, you kind of are just like, okay, it affects you. Like I, I wouldn't wear like, not even a joke. I would never wear a skirt. I would, I, I would never just because I was so self-conscious because I got, really? you know, teased so much about how skinny my legs or my arms were. So and then, you know, I just was like, to your point, Dina, like, I'm just like, I just don't care. This is who I am. I love myself for who yeah, I am. Take it or leave take it. Take it or leave it. And, you know, for me, it was more, I, I work out uh, for fitness. And I like what Vanessa said earlier, like, because it's for me, it's for my own health. You know, yeah. I don't need to wear makeup. I mean, today I rolled, nobody can see me, but like, I literally rolled out of bed and even like brush my hair. I mean, not that I'm going anywhere, but I mean, it's just, you got to be comfortable, but I only learned to be more comfortable. I think as I got older, um, and just, just, I don't know, I just kind of was turned it off and I'm just like, yeah, I just, I got to do what's best for me and I got to make decisions that are best for me and what's going to make me happy ultimately. And you know, I'm very fortunate that I have, you know, um, a sister and a mom. So I grew up in a, a very um, girl-dominated, uh, Julia, just like poor Owen right now, girl-dominated house. You know, I saw, you know, the best of everything around me. So um, I'm very fortunate for that. And, uh, yeah, and I think my, my family had a lot to do with just me feeling more comfortable with myself as well. So I think it comes with age. You get wiser. Mm-hmm. Um- So now that we've talked about society, um, the next question is around, do you think that other women put pressure on you? And do you think that you put pressure on other women? So we'll start with Dina for this one. I think that there are women that perpetuate certain, you know, stereotypes of women. I think that I personally try not to put pressure, maybe subconsciously. I don't know if I do. I, I hope I don't. <laughs> but it's not something that I I put pressure on other women. I, I, I think even if you, you're on my Instagram and, and whatever, I'm, I try to post a lot about positivity, about diversity, just funny stuff. Um, I don't try to sway people a certain way or, you know, I have, how many nieces do I have? One, two, three. 
three nieces and um, they look at my social media all the time. I'm very conscious of that. I try to just be just authentic. And that's why my 13 year old niece, 14 years old, excuse me, <laughs> she listens to this. She's going to kick my butt. 14 year old niece, she's always looking at me as an example. She's she's always telling me, you know, you're so you're so balanced. You like to you've had your party days, you you know, you're professional, you're educated, you're and you know, like I just try to be that kind of example to my family members and hopefully others follow suit, even in within my culture. I think strong women sometimes can be portrayed as very too strong. And that's going back, to, I think, to the to the previous question, perceived or something like that. Yeah, I apologize, society, I forgot the question. The but society puts on us. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. It's like if you're strong, then sometimes you're perceived as too strong of a woman. But if a male does it, uh, says certain things, the same thing that, that you say, it's not considered too strong. And, and that to me is just um, ridiculous, to be honest. I mean, those are the pressures. In terms of um, going back to the original question, Nikki, I, I try not to uh, influence other women and just actually empower them to be who who they are and not give up bleep about anybody else right Um, so I have two nieces too and for sure I want to set a really good example for them and say like you know a woman can be anything and anything like that and when my nieces were little they would wear like these beautiful princess dresses and like they were really into makeup and hair and all these things and that's just who I am and I love that and it's kind of funny because they're going through a you know, I don't, I don't know what it is, like maybe a tomboy phase. And even when I was probably around the same age, I went through a tomboy phase at at that age as well. But it's kind of funny, because sometimes when I see them, I'll say, Oh, why did you cut your hair? Your hair is so beautiful. And I'll say, Why are you wearing this outfit? Like I liked when you wore the dresses. And it's funny, because sometimes we don't even realize the pressure that we're putting on other women. And this is rude that I'm doing this. And like, I need to stop doing this and just let them be them because um I don't want them to have any self-conscious kind of issues and I want them to be their true and authentic selves but sometimes these stereotypes they're so ingrained in our heads that it's hard for us Mm -hmm. to to break out of them and say be you and do you you know and that's why I said consciously I don't maybe subconsciously I need to start watching out for that as well. Again, the message is really just be who you are. Be happy with the inside. Anything else is just, you know, the cherry on top. Be who you really want to be. As long as you have good intentions, you're good to people. That's all that matters. Anything on the outside, mm, mm, doesn't matter. Um, And one of the stereotypes I'm feeling a lot now is, um, especially from some women that I know, they're kind of getting ready now to have kids and do all that. And sometimes I feel that pressure as well, you know, like I feel like, oh, now's the time to get married and to have babies. (laughs) And it's so funny because it's not until I started working in the corporate world that I met all these other women and some very career driven women. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. You can actually have a completely different life where family is isn't the main focus for you, you know, and maybe you go on nice trips and you have a a really interesting career and like there's more to life. But I think that um, most cultures really come back to family, you know, like family is such an important part. So that's kind of an interesting pressure that gets put on us. And even that we put on ourselves. 
I agree. So I think Vanessa and Asha can also attest, like in our cultures, if like I'm 35 years old, I tell my anybody that is Latin American that I don't have kids. They're like, oh, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? It's like, actually a little bit uncomfortable sometimes to be asked that question. And, you know, I've always uh, been very driven about my career and focusing on, on that first on on the fundamentals first and seeing their response is what makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I don't even know what to say I'm like yeah so I'm you know I'm focusing on my I've always been focused on my career I don't even know what to say to be honest and that's really like unfair pressure that women have for sure on the kids part I think that has to do with like our cultures just being engulfed in family like everything revolves around family in the sense that every holiday every occasion from a birth to a death, everything revolves around family coming together, celebrating, just being with each other. And I don't necessarily see it as a negative. I think a lot of people from our cultures are kind of like used to that as a certain age, like, you know, you know, it's time for you to be a mom, settle down, um, have a family. And that's only because they want the family to grow. They just want to see that everything that they've instilled in you, you can instill in somebody else and kind of pass it on. And, you know, it's the legacy and they love having the kids around and seeing like, hey, like, you know, my daughter's grown now. It's time for her to have her own kids, be it a boy or girl. I can be the grandmother and, you know, just watch and have fun and, and stuff like that. Um, exactly. It's So it's like, it's a pressure, yes, to the sense of like, what's wrong with you? Like, why don't you have kids? Like, what are you doing? What are you waiting for? And then I have an <laughs> uncle who likes to tell me, um, you're too picky. You need to learn to compromise. Take some of this, take some of that. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty good because... You know, I do things for myself. I always tell people in life, you should always appreciate the people that you actually want to have around as opposed to the people that you need to have around, mm. right? Because And people don't understand me when I say need and want. Like I need air to breathe, to live, to breathe and stuff like that. But I don't want to have to need you. I'm very independent. Mm. And that's kind of like the gift and the curse. Because, you know, as um, Dina said, when you're too strong, it's like, oh, she's too strong. She doesn't need me for anything. Rather than me saying, no, I want you. Like, I want you here. I want you to do this. I want to spend time with you. Like, I want to settle down and build this life with you. So it's kind of hard because as you get older, as women, they always say like the clock is ticking. Mm, like, yes. you know, your time is running out. And for men, it's like, you can do this until you're dead kind of thing. Oh my gosh. So, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so I get it. Um, I love kids. I love family. And as I, my response kind of now, Dina, is in God's timing. When God's yeah. ready, he'll give me what he needs or what's meant for me. Because hey, like God. you, I've run out of the answers. So that's pretty much my thing now. It's like in God's timing, ask God. <laughs> You know, talk to God and he'll let you know. Come back and ask tell God. me. Yeah. Ask you know, God. Um, let me direct so you. Uh, connect I, you with I, God. I have to agree with Vanessa and Dina. Very, very similar. And I love what Vanessa said. Like everything in the community is centered around family, whether it's a death, it's a birth, you know, it's a birthday. I mean, you throw it up, yeah. you're there for each other. It's the anchor, it's the core of who you are. But I, I'm with you, you know, like I think I've been, I got, I got married younger, um, and uh, but my husband and I don't have kids, and it's not by choice. Uh, right now, it's by design, if you want to say. And you know, I think a lot of people look at us to be like, "Well, why, why aren't you?" And what, you, you don't like kids, and you don't. And it's hard. It's it's hard hearing it from within your 
not so much my immediate family, but the core extended family, because, you know, they're very nosy. Uh, but at the same <laughs> breath, you know, to hear from other people and just be like, well, you know, how, like, aren't you like, shouldn't you? And it's just like, well, no, you know, and I, I love Vanessa, what you said, because I tell everybody, <laughs> I'm just like, you know what, I'm, I literally am leaving it up to the universe, you know, like, whatever is meant yeah. to be is meant to be. And if it's meant for me, it will be, you know, so I um, wholeheartedly agree with you guys in terms of maybe the internal pressure or it's not internal, but the extended pressure that you get around. Uh, but yeah, you just got to do what's best for you. And um, I don't think we need to validate why or how come or answer it. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, I, I love what you said in terms of it just, it will be when it will be. And that's it. You leave it up to the universe and they'll hear I'll you. I'll say one last thing. My yeah. sister, she's been struggling sure. a lot with um, infertility and she, I was talking to her about it. And she just doesn't want to talk about it with anyone because if she talks it, it's real. And I said, well, why don't you just talk to uh, like people that know what you're going through? And she's like, I just don't want people come up and ask me, oh, why don't you have kids? Like, like, Ashna, you've been married for so long. Like, where are your kids? And she's like, oh, well, she kind of makes a joke and try to make it light. So they don't feel awkward. And here I am listening to the conversation. I was like, no, I want to make them feel awkward for asking me where my kids are when they don't know my history. They don't know I've been struggling. They don't know anything. Um, And then it's also that pressure. Like, don't make me feel ashamed for trying everything. And it's not working for my body. And, but she's like this old 70 year old woman is like asking her maybe like every so often, Oh, would you have kids yet? You pregnant yet? I just like, no, I don't, you know what? I'm really struggling to get pregnant and it's really hard. It's not as easy as everyone thinks it's one, (laughs) one pump. Like I would make it feel so awkward to be like, never ask this again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 And one of the things that I really like that Vanessa and uh, Dina both said was I actually get told that a lot too. Like now's the time to settle, you know, and why do we talk to women that way and make them feel like they need to settle for anything in life? Cause Mm -mm. that's why women get into these situations, you know, where they're reliant on somebody. Like we should be raising women to think that you could do anything you want in life and we're going to celebrate you no matter what. Yeah, 100% agree, agree mm-hmm. Nikki. Exactly. Um, so it's kind of the perfect segue. If there was one stereotype of a woman that you wanted to change, um, what would it be and why? I'll start out with that one. Really, it's the one that I just shared. It's that we believe as a society that women have a certain path, you know, and until they reach these different milestones, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're not a real woman, you know, and we don't take the time to kind of like celebrate things you know like we should be celebrating women when they get promotions and um I think Vanessa said it at the beginning and I think it's true like I want to see representation where we see like black female CEOs and like I want us to celebrate those types of things I think weddings and baby showers and all this stuff is like so beautiful and such a nice uh, part of life but there's so much emphasis on it in society mm-hmm. and women focus on it like even myself like I've dreamed of my wedding basically since I was five years old and what if I never get married but it's something that's just been ingrained in me you know I think for me personally that whole comment I made around when a woman is very assertive and direct um she's just perceived as you know a bitch if you 
and not all the time, but for for the most part, oh, she's too bitchy. She's such a bitch. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed yeah. to swear in this podcast or not. <laughs> but it, and no, it's it's not that. Only because a woman is is direct and and like I said, assertive and is able to articulate her feelings and emotions. And and this is in in the corporate world in in relationships everywhere. I don't want to walk around people thinking, actually, I don't care, but people thinking that I'm a bitch because I'm just a very direct person and a blunt person. So at the end of the day, we should be treated equal to to a male. So compare the same response that a woman says to a male's response, and um, you will you will notice your bias. And I hope a lot of people kind of uh, evaluate that. So hopefully that changes someday but we I hate strong women I'm as a sure society <laughs> like we hate them there's lots of memes going around or videos of just like women writing emails versus men writing emails and you're like hi exclamation mark can you please or whatever they say it in a nice fluffy way but then you're like okay if I what would a male do and then you like race the exclamation marks and don't mm. ask for a question just say it straightforward and it's all of those little little things that we can alter but it's like crazy that we have to alter that like oh this is a woman she's being too direct in the email like what do you mean too too forward and the message to our nieces and nephews and our kids should be no just just speak your mind as long as you're respectful as long as you're you you respect other people's feelings no you just have to be direct and Mm -hmm. again be your true authentic self um and we see it all the time as women, corporate world, mm-hmm. sometimes it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even necessarily have to be the corporate world. It could be like travel and tourism and this and that. And they just see us as less than. And you mm. could literally be standing beside your counterpart, which happens to be a man, and seeing the exact same thing word for word in the exact same tone, but they're going to be respected for it. And the woman's going to be looked at like, as they used to, as they like to say, is it that time of the month? Like, you know, things like that. Like, you know what I mean? Anytime oh, a woman gets assertive God. or aggressive or puts her foot down and says, she's not going to tolerate this or she's expecting this. It's like, oh, okay, maybe it's a bad time for her. You know, oh, she just had a baby. Maybe, you know, she's going through a lot. Like they always kind of look to those kind of escape routes, so to speak, to associate our assertiveness or our aggressiveness with some kind of fallback or something going on in the background, as opposed to when they're looking at their man, you know what, he brings up a valid point. Let's look into that and things like that. So, and even it's the body language yeah. and the facial expressions too. Like we're, we as women, if I have a serious face on and usually Nikki, you've seen my serious faces and sometimes it's just that I'm just hungry, like sad or angry in a meeting. I'm just hungry, you know, and if a male has a serious face or, you know, a neutral face, it's okay. But women, you know, we get asked, are you okay? Are you, is there something wrong? You should smile. No, that's just my face. But going back to that that point, as women, we also have to start accepting that and recognizing that in each other. Mm -hmm. Because like, even sometimes I don't want to be too direct to another woman because I don't want her to take that offensively or take that hard. But we need to start talking to each other in that way too. And just saying what we want, stating our expectations and having those kind of frank, 
discussions with each other. And I think that you can't always take it to heart and be like, oh, someone's angry at me, you know, or sometimes I say things and I say them in such a way because I'm busy and I'm doing a hundred things at once. It's not that I'm trying to make you feel a certain way or put you down. It's that I'm busy, you know? And um, so I think it's kind of a two-way street. Like we all definitely need to get stronger and sort of take that. And then I totally agree with everything that um, you, you ladies are saying. Like we need to be more direct and we need to not think, oh, should I say this in like this type of tone or whatever? Because I don't want to make anyone feel any any type of way. Um, my question is, is that I think that we're a very good sample of the norm. And if we have these feelings, why do we think that society is not really changing? Because obviously, we're looking for change, and we want this change. But why are we still kind of hitting those same glass ceilings or having those same types of um, issues? I feel like sometimes it's because it's not necessarily on trend. You know what I mean? It's not what's, it's not what everybody's calling out or, you know, bringing to the top of the pile, so to speak. So it kind of got, get looks over. Like you have a few people that may have an issue and they talk about it for like a minute and then it's like, okay, let's move on. Why? Because this person's bringing out a beauty brand that's going to represent, you know, these people or, you know, we're bringing more thicker girls to the catwalk, so to speak. So they feel like if they just do it in spurts, it's like, okay, we've calmed, we've calmed everybody down for a while. We'll until check the I box. Guess, yeah, mm-hmm. until the next volcano erupts, we'll deal with it then. So it's like, okay, we've, we've done what we can. Everybody seems to be happy. Everybody seems to be quieting down. Let's move on kind of thing. For sure. And I agree a thousand percent with Vanessa. I think we also, to Nikki's earlier point, we kind of have to take responsibility as well. And not everybody... So we think like this, but other people think like that, but don't say anything. Where at least we're talking about it now. I know I talk about it with my my circle of friends, my family, etc. There just has to be a lot more conversation, um, more awareness, if you will, uh, more proactiveness in doing something about it. You know, even if it's just volunteer work, if you feel really passionate about something, you know, get out there and actually do something and and, and setting that example and, um, you know, being a leader in uh, as a woman or even if it's within your own culture. I know for me specifically, I do want to start doing a lot more in the community more so around um, more culturally uh, in the the Latin community in Toronto for little girls and having access to post-secondary education and all of that stuff. Now that from a career perspective, I think, you know, I'm good or I'm traveling well, you know, it's also time to give back. You know, I think that sometimes, sometimes we forget to do that. So it's not only talking about it in this, you know, in your circle of friends, but it's actually taking some some sort of action, if you will. I would, I would agree with Dina and, and Vanessa. Like, I think, you know, change is hard and, you know, it is a bit of a mindset, right? So that takes time and, and I, I agree. I think a lot of brands out there might be doing Band-Aid solutions for now because it's a hot topic, but we're also a part of the solution. So, or maybe even a part of the problem. And I love what Dina is saying, like, you know, we can be the change agent and we can drive positive action, but 
we have a role to play in it as well. Now, maybe our voices are smaller, but we know when you can create a movement, uh, change can happen. But I think it takes time. It really takes time. And I think a lot of us have to look at ourselves, you know, because I think not all of us are confident. Not all of us are feeling like we got this or we can be who we can be. Like we're still growing. And, and I think once we kind of come to terms with a lot of those, maybe I wouldn't say inner demons, so that's not the right word, but like things that we're trying to overcome, um, you know, then I think we can help kind of make that change, make that movement. But I, I think it's not, uh, you know, a, a, a snap of a finger and everything is going to happen. And just, I just think it takes time, but it, it starts with all of us. It, it starts with all the brands around us to help kind of create that change. But I think it comes back down to your mindset and, 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 and if, growing in that. If there's demand in society, it's still going to keep going. I if agree. there's demand to see all these models that are, walking these runways like they're not going to ask for I don't even want to say plus size models because they're just like size six or something like that but I mean there's no demand so we have to almost demand it and but it's it's hard to have that motivation to demand it because yeah I'm one person or yeah we're five people it takes time and it takes a lot a lot of voices to change yeah like and it can be daunting and uh one of the things that I've started to read a lot about recently and I kind of love this and I totally agree with it I think Dina touched on this is we often get told to bring our authentic selves into things and um we talked about this a little bit at the beginning and Julia brought this up about uh visible minorities and kind of just checking boxes so one of the things that I see a lot is we say oh we really want a diverse workplace or we really want a diverse community and what we mean by that is we want to see your visible diversity like we want to see that you're a woman and we want to see that you're black right but then we want you to act in a certain way like we want you to have this education we want you to act like basically like a robot and not really have feelings you know we don't really want your authentic you we want to like see you authentic you but we want you to sort of act like everybody else um and ashna sent me a really great article that i could actually send out um to the rest of this group and it was all about how we really talk a lot with women about imposter syndrome you know we all feel imposter syndrome like we shouldn't be sitting at the table but why do we feel that way it's because really we are being imposters you know like we're pretending to be something and we're not being our true and authentic selves you know we may look different from everybody else but really we're being asked to kind of think like everybody else and that's not true diversity and it's never going to help us like climb that mountain and get to the next spot and it's something I even do you know like I adjust the way that I act when I'm talking to certain people and that's something I want to stop doing now because I never realized how detrimental that is to my own mental health, but then also to other women, because I'm kind of putting up that stereotype that you have to act this way. Otherwise, you're not going to be successful. Mind blown. Just sort of, we're all quiet. We're processing what Nikita just said. Um, But I think we're all Mm. saying the same thing. I think we all know that, um, you know, we have to do better too. And we have to um, recognize your own biases, and uh, be able to identify them so that you can work on them. Um, you, you raised a, a few points, Nikki, around, you know, what you tell your nieces. 
you know, that's something also that I have to be conscious of that I'm not always conscious of. So it, it, it definitely, uh, and again, going back to action, it's in the mind as well, right? So we have to work on ourselves first continually and then be able to, to hopefully impact. We have to truly things. lift each other up at the end of the day, you know, like just, exactly yeah. what Dina um, said. I want to get better at that too, at um, supporting other women and making sure that I'm opening opportunities. I can't remember what uh, Kamala Harris's saying is, but you know how she's like, I'm opening the door, but I don't want to shut it behind me. Like, I think that's like a mindset that we all need to kind of live with, you know? You know, I, I, I agree with you. And For sure. Like- often, you know, and and I'm just thinking, maybe not always in a corporate setting, but I'll put it in a corporate setting, maybe not uh, in some instances, but, you know, instead of lifting women up, supporting women, um, you know, sometimes there are women out there that are ready to just take you down. And you just wonder why, you know, like, not that we're all fighting to be in the same place. But I, I love what you said, you know, if we really support wholeheartedly, we should be lifting, opening the doors for other women, um, you know, because again, we can drive that positive action, we can drive that change, and we can show, you know, hey, imposter syndrome, there shouldn't be imposter syndrome. And I think all of us struggle from that um, wholeheartedly within, an, you know, any, any corporation sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's so important for us us to to play our part do our part um and it's it's sad that there's just maybe there i mean there are women who are doing that but there are a lot of women that are not they don't care they'll just trample over you to get to where they need to go because at the end of the day they're just so laser focused and it's it's sad it's a shame you know i felt so fired up after that article ash i was like i'm never going to a seminar about imposter syndrome again because basically you're telling me i should feel like i don't belong here and help me to kind of work through that and i was like yeah i never realized how destructive even having these helpful seminars is for us absolutely and you you know what i think the aha for me was like there's actually a word out there (laughs) like you know like it just really cascades and and puts a light on what women go through and even BIPOC women you know go through sometimes as well it's a fascinating it's an amazing article we'll definitely flip it out after this um, awesome session Mm -hmm. um okay so now we're sort of wrapping this up so we have two questions to wrap this up the first one is one piece of advice that you want to give to another woman listening and Vanessa if you don't mind we'll start with you one piece of advice um i'd probably like to say that your version of yourself is probably the best version that's out there and the reason why i say that is because everybody's always going to have their opinion or their perception of what you should be as a woman or what you should have in order to be a woman so to speak but if you can stand behind who you are as a person and by that like knowing that you're kind, that you're giving, you're caring, that you respect others, then I think that's the that's the best way to live, right? Um, beauty and everything like that is gonna play a part and you can choose what you want. If you like this or if you like that, it's your choice. Let the choice be yours. Let, mm. you, let you feel comfortable enough in your own skin, like um, Dina had previously said, that you just don't care. I mean, yes, it's gonna take time to get there because you're gonna have images and you know people along the way trying to pull you one way or the other but once you get to that comfort level just let you reign over everything and just do you and love you and 
and live. I can go next. I think my piece of advice would be to work on yourself, you know, fight those inner demons that Ashna mentioned earlier. Do a lot of self-analysis on, you know, what your triggers are. You know, why do I feel like, why did I feel uncomfortable in that meeting? Why did I get, you know, uh, nervous in that setting? Or just do a lot of digging, a, a lot of soul searching so that you can, you can fight those inner demons and then be able to grow from there. And then you get to a point where you say, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care what anybody, anybody thinks. Uh, I am who I am. I am a good person. I have a good heart. I try not to hurt others. So that's at the end of the day, what's important. But like Vanessa said, it's, and Ashna said it as well. It's a mm -hmm. process. You know, we're all on a journey. Um, and I think the journey can take you down different paths. But just remember that, you know, you got to embrace the good with the bad. Remember that you're 100% worth it. And remember that you are beautiful, no matter the race, body shape, hairstyle, stretch marks, whether you're assertive, uh, you know, uh, being a bitch, whatever it might be, all are acceptable and you've got to accept it and, and, and do it without any fear or judgment. Just, just live your life and be who you are. And, you know, I have to echo what Dina and Vanessa said, like, it, it's definitely a, it, it, you know, a journey. It's a process. You're not going to get there tomorrow, but if you take the right steps and you create that right positive change, you know, the world is your oyster, you know, so live it. And I feel like we've been all saying the same thing. Like, listen, your body is going to fade. Beauty's going to fade. Like you could still be really active and you probably have a great body when you're like 80, let's be honest. Ooh, but, let's hope. Um, let's hope. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> but healthy. But I think it's finding your internal happiness. And again, it's easier said than done. And you have to take it every single day. And listen, it's taken forever. A long time for me to get to this point. Am I there 100%? No. But I feel like once you find your happiness inside, then you can project that happiness to other people. It will, it, you'll project it to that, to your world around you. Uh, listen, as cheesy as it says, we always hear it all the time from RuPaul. Like, if you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love someone else? <laughs> yeah. So. Yes. It's something so simple and so cheesy. And we've said it over and over in this podcast, like love yourself from inside and the outside will project. And yeah, you're not Western society beautiful, but I mean, you're still happy and that's no one can take that away from you. Um, it's funny that you're saying that like the outside projects because I find that that's something that as I get older, I'm really starting to notice is that, you know, typical beauty or, you know, like when you see someone who maybe by a standard people would think are beautiful. A lot of times when you see someone's heart, it really changes the way that they look, you know, and when you meet someone who, you know, they might have everything going for them and they have a kind of gross heart that person becomes ugly to you yeah yeah yep. so um I think everything you're saying everyone yeah. has said here I completely agree with and my piece of advice is something that I'm still trying to work on with myself as well it's remembering that you don't need everyone to like you you know and that's something that I really mm -hmm. struggle with where I just need everyone to like me and sometimes I bend over backwards to make that happen um 
and all that really matters is you're going to have a core in your life of people who truly love you and truly care about you. And as long as those people are proud of you, that's all that really matters. It's not up to you to impress everybody. And you're you're never going to impress everybody. So that would be my piece of advice. But also that's kind of my piece of advice to myself because I'm not there yet. <laughs> so just to wrap it up then, um, we're going to be releasing this episode sure. on International Women's Day. And we wanted to just go around and ask everybody, what does International Women's Day mean to you? Vanessa, we'll start with you. Um, the fact that we actually have to have an International Women's Day is kind of weird to me because I feel like every day should be celebrated as, as International Women's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, to me, it's like the strength in numbers to know that mm. we're seriously not alone and that we have people that share our thoughts, opinions, our values, we can have these discussions and bringing women more so to the forefront. So showing how we are, what we do, how we represent ourselves, the things that we like, the things that we like to encourage. So it's really about just kind of getting together and going out there as a herd and saying, this is who we are, accept us or not, nothing like we're not going to change. Like this is, you know, women empowering women and stuff. So I appreciate it in that aspect. Yeah, I'm a, I'm of the opinion <laughs> yes. of Vanessa. It's similar exactly. like Valentine's Day or anything else. Every day should be Valentine's Day. Every day should be Women's Day. Uh, but yeah. It's a specific day to showcase, you know, the hard work and the impact that women have on society. So I'm all for showcasing that. Uh, I'm glad that you're releasing the podcast on that day. It's, it's uh, it, I'm excited because we've had really good conversations today and I've enjoyed every every single kind of conversation we've had. But that's what it means to me is just showcasing our hard work uh, as women and emphasizing the impact that we have on the world because sometimes I do think that people uh, forget. Um, I do think women are for women, wonder women on what they can do every day, day in, day out. But, you know, I am all for um, honoring the women that definitely have been at the forefront in terms of fighting for us. I, you know, I think it's a day that still like we can reflect on, on the work that we still need to do. You know, I think it's a day um, where we can continue to really protest, uh, protest, I should say, like when I think about discrimination, imposter syndrome, all of those things that we've been talking about. But I think it's also a day, and I kind of wrote this down because I didn't want to lose it, but it's a day that really reminds us to look beyond our borders, whether it's the parameters, our bodies, our race, and to really think about what we can make in the future as progress, like daily. And I think that's what International Women's Day means to me. And just based on the conversation that we had, uh, I just wanted to make sure I made that note in terms of what it means for me. Mm-hmm. And I agree with all of you ladies. It's And I wrote down too, it's we definitely don't need this day, which is annoying <laughs> that we have to have it. Look, we all agree with that. We can check that box. Um, but I think having this day, this month, whatever, it forces us more as a society to support each other and like we're always there we always do but then like oh yeah it's coming up okay yeah we have to do this this and this and it's that's horrible to think that way but it's think how far we've we've come where we are right now and then what do we have to work on in the future it's all of that 
that yeah it is great reflection it's reflection yeah. right? um, and it's a little bit sad because I think it really started out with pure intentions as ce- celebration and to have these types of discussions and I think now a lot of companies have taken over and made this like exactly like Valentine's Day or some of those holidays <laughs> where it's just another day to a sell gimmick. products yeah gimmick um, but I kind of think that the sort of, you know, do, um, deeper meaning is really everything that everyone has highlighted here to kind of celebrate how far we've made it and also how far we still have to go. So always for International Women's Day, like it, it's exciting to have these conversations. And I hope if we did one thing today, we kind of inspired other women to start having these conversations with women in their life because there really yes. is strength in numbers and let's work together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that, Nikki, 100%. There's a seat at the table for all of us. For sure. <laughs> we don't have to fight over it, too. No. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We could just wave over and yeah. say, can you bring another yeah. girl yeah. power? More, no, more the merrier, right? Yeah. I'm telling you, one day, guys, we're just going to take over the world, and then mm. there'll be world peace. I mean, we just have to get in there. Yeah. <laughs> Rock and roll with that, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that we sometimes forget is how important kind of that male gazes to a lot of the things that we're doing so like one of the things that I always find really funny like when you're watching tv shows especially sitcoms um you know it's always like a bigger man and he always has like a little skinny perfect wife you're like where does this come from and you're like oh yeah men make this show so this is like a male's fantasy (laughs) show and I think sometimes we don't take the time to stop and realize how much of the world has really been built by men and we're kind of living inside of it you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah yeah and even just um I, I don't know if any of you guys have seen Bridgerton but oh, yeah. it was written I was just by, thinking about that it was written by Shonda Rhimes and I think why it was so popular because it had that woman's view of what women want and it's not as what men want and think that a relationship is like women want like oh my god he touched his hand or her hand and now they're looking <laughs> at each other oh my god it's just like that little description I'm just just a little bit like we don't really like need oh as the she rubbed her whole body his hands rubbed her whole body like no we just want those subtle movements and like oh my gosh and then we have our imagination go a little bit more so um the male gaze on different things too is um, really interesting but just to be clear we're just saying we want to be equal <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I think a lot of men are really concerned with International Women's Day, but I think that they don't really realize what it feels like to be a woman and really what we kind of overcome every day. And really, we're not asking to, you know, be better than or be put on pedestals. We're just being asked to be equal and to be seen as equals. And to be respected as an equal. And and to be respected as an equal. I just want to say thank you so much. I chose this panel because you're all such strong women who I really admire. And I think that everyone listening today is going to hear that. And I really hope that this is kind of just inspiring. And um, so thank you very much. Thanks for waking up early for me. And I hope that you guys all feel (laughs) supercharged for today now, too. We do. We do. I do. Thank you so much, Nikki and Julia, honestly, for having us. Thank you for having us. It was so great meeting you as well. Nice to see other beautiful women who also woke (laughs) up as early as I did. Uh, but just hearing your perspectives and <laughs> everyone here, it's just been, it's just been so wonderful and it kind of validates, you know, 
what I think a lot of women are feeling and we're just articulating. So this was, this was really wonderful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to know.